0: Welcome into Monday's edition of Hot Takes. I'm David Smith alongside Cody Blazak, and we're going to start with, of course, the big news. Matthew Stafford and the Rams winning the Super Bowl last night by a score of 23-20. to 20. Stafford got his ring, and Aaron Donald got his ring. Very deservedly so, both of them.
1: Yeah, no, I am... I don't care about the Rams. I'm not a Rams fan. I strictly wanted Matt Stafford to get a ring and I'm extremely excited that he was able to just after a rough 12 years of his career. Um, it was good to see him get that ring uh, for sports fans in general, unless you just hate Matthew Stafford and I don't understand any reason to, I think you should be glad that he got one unless you're a Bengals fan and I mean, hey, he came out, he played, he he didn't have his best game, but he did enough to get the win, and that's all that matters in the end.
0: Absolutely, yeah, threw two picks, one of them kind of a jump ball towards the end zone in the direction of Van Jefferson, and the other one was off a tipped pass that went off Skaronic's hands, which he came in after the injury to Odell Beckham Jr., which we hope for a speedy recovery to him. They did announce that they believe it is a torn ACL which is tough for him being a free agent this off season. Hopefully the Rams will bring him back though. I think he fit really, really well with that system, and he played a key role in replacing Robert Woods and getting back, getting them to the Super Bowl and winning it. Which, you know, without we saw that offense kind of become a little stagnant without Odell in it in the second half. It became on that final drive just being feeding Cooper Cup, and they just kept feeding even with double teams. Cooper Cup managed to keep getting open. Which is insane, and he was very, very well deserved the Super Bowl MVP. I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, offensive player of the year—you expect him to make big time plays and big time games, and he had a decent game up until that last drive. But that last drive really cemented his game. And I, when if when you go back and look at that game, you're not going to look at him in the first three quarters. You're going to look at him on that final drive, but. To take a little back to Odo Beckham Jr., I think I said Friday. I thought a key to the Rams winning was going to be him and how he plays because I thought they were going to just guard the living life out of Cooper Cup, which they did when OBJ was in the game. They did the entire game, but OBJ could have had a killer game if he didn't get hurt. He finished with a touchdown and, what, 50-something-odd yards?
0: Two receptions, uh, 56 yards.
1: And a, and a touchdown.
0: Or 52 yards.
1: I'm, I wonder what it would have been otherwise. I, I think he was – I really do think his touchdown was the key to that game because uh, the Rams struggled on offense when he was out. They, they they struggled until that last drive where, like you said, it, it was the Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup show. I mean, I, it's funny. When I look back on games like this and everything, there's a game similar to this that reminds me of kind of how it turned out. It was it was one of your Patriots games. I cannot remember who it was, but it was Tom was driving late, and they had to get a two-point conversion, and, or the score, and then a two-point conversion. And you knew where the ball was going. You knew it was going to Gronk. It just Gronk had one of these games. You knew it was going to him. They scored. He scored the touchdown, and you knew the ball was going to Gronk for the two point conversion, and it went right to him. And it, they acted like he wasn't going to have anything to do with it. And for granted, Cooper Cup is the best receiver in the league this season. I, I don't understand why you're not just all over him. I mean, I'm not yeah. a coach, but. You knew where that ball was going.
0: It felt like the Bengals secondary was trying to stop them. It was just it's not a, not a high caliber secondary, and it's it's not a very good back part of the defense. You know, it's just the over the top coverage really wasn't there, and it was a lot of the game was spent guarding over the top plays for both sides because you know it was both defensive coordinators knew how explosive the offenses were, and it was. Fantastic. And, and props to the Bengals offensive or defensive line as well, not their offensive line. We'll get to them in a second. But they did a fantastic job. I thought one of the keys to this game and, and the Rams winning was going to be running the football. And they were going to have to establish some kind of ground game. And they didn't. 23 carries for 43 yards, averaging 1.9 yards per carry. That's bad. You saw them hand the ball off and lose lose two yards on a numerous numerous. You can carries. count
1: it on more than two hands. I, I mean, yeah, it, it was, was ridiculous.
0: That they I mean, it wasn't necessarily the Bengals bringing a ton of pressure either. It was that their their run stopping defense was just it was on point there. It really was, and they did a fantastic job stopping the run, forcing Stafford to throw the ball to Cooper Cup on repeated occasions. And and just all in all, it was a fantastic performance from Stafford and Cup because Stafford did a fantastic job looking opposite directions, looking off the defense when they were in zone, and and keeping them on their heels, but it didn't matter.
1: Yeah, well, my biggest takeaway from this game is the Rams were a Super Bowl contender. The Bengals weren't. The Bengals were not meant to win the Super Bowl this year. That Rams team was constructed to do exactly what they did. They went all in. They, they're they not going to have a first-round draft pick from, what was it, 2016?
0: All the way through 2024, or until 2024, one of the two.
1: Eight years without a first-round draft pick. They, they paid to get this. And luckily for them, with all the chances they took, they came out on top. But if I were a Bengal fan were in the Bengals organization you know what this team can do now you weren't you had they were tied with the lowest odds to win the Super Bowl this year right 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 there with them yeah right there them and the Jaguars were tied and you made it to the Super Bowl you weren't expected they were expected what three wins I think it was this season 10 and 7 went to the Super Bowl that's a success in my eyes because if they keep this up, and I know you're, I know you're going to pounce on this, and they upgrade that offensive line, they're a legit team, and I hate to say that, but they are, they upgrade that offensive line. I think they are a very scary team to watch in the next three years. I wouldn't be surprised if they won a title in the next three years.
0: Yeah, it was, it was. I mean, obviously, this is this is not a team that's going to go anywhere. They're extremely young, especially on the offensive line. Extremely side of talented and young. absolutely too. I mean, if. If they can keep that those offensive weapons together, which I think they will, I think all of them have have really enjoyed to be there and thrive to be there, and then they got to upgrade the offensive line. You've got to upgrade some of that defense as well. I think the D line is is good enough. I think they proved that. Uh, they got pressure on Stafford, sacked him twice, and really stopped the running game. Um, you've got to upgrade those corners though. They need they need some help in order to get back here again. And but the the performance from the Bengals offense was was what we expected they they came out they played really well burrow had 263 yards and a touchdown joe mixon against that ferocious front seven 15 carries 72 yards averaging 4.8 yards a carry that's, he had that's a good incredible. game he right. did absolutely and it was just i mean t higgins had himself a game obviously he caught that touchdown pass with the controversial no call on pass interference which i mean in in real time you can see Jalen ramsey's head turn um, I guess I mean, they definitely should have thrown the flag when you look at it on replay. It's got to be tougher. It's it's tougher to see in full time. It is.
1: In no, yeah, it is. It's a tough call, but on replay, it's clear. So I mean,
0: and then the other touchdown he caught was the was the Joe Mixon pass to him, which was that was a fantastic play call because that the toss to Mixon caught him napping and a beautiful ball thrown from Mixon there to him. It was it was fantastic from him. Jamar had a great game, obviously the the big catch that he the big catch he caught by just beating Jalen Ramsey one on one, which is is almost unheard of to do. It's it's tough. And the fact that he do, he did that, I mean I saw some people last night talking about that maybe Watching Burrow get sacked, and obviously him getting sacked on that fourth of one play was what lost in the game, or not sacked, but you know, pressure. It, it was and,
1: as close to a sack as you can get. Yeah,
0: it was. there were some people saying that they yeah, they should have drafted Panay Sewell over Jamar Chase, and I just, I just don't see how you do that, because they wouldn't be here without Jamar.
1: The offensive line would be better if they would have done that, but I'm not sure that he makes the impact that Jamar Chase does. Absolutely not. For granted, the O-line would be a lot better, but Jamar Chase was, what, the third? Or was he number two in receiving yards this year, and he was a rookie? You don't see that. And he probably would have had the number one. He would have been the number one with receiving yards this year if Cooper Cup didn't just go insane. Yeah. Because Cooper Cup had... I believe he has the—is it the second, or is it now the first most receiving awards in a season? I think it was second. Okay, and that's behind Probably. Matt Stafford's old teammate, yeah. Megatron. Uh, Panaceuva would have been good. Jamar Chase is an impact player, though.
0: And I think moving forward for the Bengals as well, you're going to see people in the past, nobody wanted to play in Cincinnati. Nobody wanted to go there as a free agent unless they were paying a lot of money. You've now established yourself that not only can you make the playoffs and win the AFC North, but you can make the Super Bowl and you can compete in it. You're going to have free agent offensive linemen know that this team needs an offensive lineman. I will become a key part of this team by joining them.
1: And they will get a bag, too, because they know Cincinnati wants someone because they need it. That's that's the key to winning a Super Bowl for them right now. Like you said earlier, they've got the star players, they've got the skill players, and they are young. Mixon at twenty five, Burrow at twenty five, Chase at twenty one, and T. Higgins at twenty three. If you can keep those four together for what three years? I I think you won a Super Bowl. I really do.
0: I think so as well. I mean, I think this this AFC is incredibly stacked. The Super Bowl favorites came out last night, and the top two were Chiefs and Bills, back to back to back, and then. After that, I believe it goes Rams, Bengals, and and so far and so forth. But to think that the Bengals can't get back here again is wrong. Uh, I think this Bengals team. I saw people saying this run was a Cinderella run, it was a fluke. You know?
1: Well, I it, think it, I think it was a Cinderella run, but I think it showed you the team that they actually are. I mean, they won so many games by the skin of their teeth. That's why you look at it as a Cinderella run. I'm not even gonna lie. When when the Rams scored last night with a minute twenty or whatever it was left, all I said to myself is, "We're going to overtime. This is crazy." Adam McPherson is going to hit another game tying field goal. I thought so too. I, I was like, "There's no." Uh, it's a. It was a Cinderella story, is what it was. That's bro- what it was made out to be.
0: And it was watching that game, seeing them come in, and, and they. Obviously, I mean, they were battling against the clock, but once it became third and one, I said, you know, put Mixon in the game. You got to give him the ball. And they didn't put Mixon in the game. They kept P. Ryan in the game, gave P. Ryan the ball, and he got drugged down by Aaron Donald. Of all, I mean, of course, it's Aaron Donald there making that play because who else is going to make that kind of play? I, I don't understand why you can't. Obviously, P. Ryan's a passing guy, so you want them to think you're passing the ball, and that's the goal to catch them off guard with the run on third and one. But I have a tough time believing that Mixon doesn't just get that yard. That he he's he's that kind of player. He's he's a downhill runner. He runs with the flow of the play. He's going to find that gap and get you a yard if you need it. You, I think you just got to have Joe Mixon in, in there on that play.
1: I think that go, play calling goes for both teams. It was weird last night. I, I wasn't a fan. When I really did not like the play call was when the Rams were on the one-yard line with that minute thirty or whatever it was left, run the ball four times and tick make that clock just tick. I I understand you have Stafford and I understand you have Cooper Cup. But if I were the head coach, if I was Sean McVay, I would have been like, they've drove down and done this the past however many games and took it to overtime and won it. I'm not I'm not risking that. I'll leave thirty seconds on the clock. If they do it then fine. But a minute would have scared me. I would have just ran it up the gut or had Stafford try and dive it in four times in a row. And, and same goes for Cincinnati. I, you're going to lose a little. I think they had a timeout left, actually. Run the ball up the gut. Get the first down. You have four more tries. Burn your timeout. You have, what was it, 40 seconds left maybe? I, all you got to do is throw balls to the outside. And if you even if you do throw a ball in the middle, pick up 25 yards, spike it. I wasn't. I don't understand why you don't put a running back in the game that is good as he is on a big time play. Just like I don't understand why the Seahawks didn't put give that ball to Marshawn Lynch and what was that twenty thirteen? Yeah, I, I don't get it.
0: And look, I wouldn't be bringing this into question if it, if they would have thrown the ball on that play. It's a very. instant you're on a passing drive. It's third down. You know, you need to move the ball into field goal range. If you throw the ball there, I don't have an issue with keeping P Ryan in the game. But if you're going to hand that ball off. You gotta have Mixon being that guy. You need to put it in his hands. He's been there for who knows how long. He's he's been there for a while. He's suffered through some of the Andy Dalton years. He's he had an incredible game, a stellar performance. You gotta put the ball in his hands, in my eyes. That's just what that's where I feel on that. But moving forward for these two teams, it'll be interesting to see. There's speculation surrounding Aaron Donald's retirement. There's speculation surrounding will Stafford come back again. There's some people saying he could retire. Aaron Donald brought up that he him himself could retire. The Bengals would be back. What what's next for this Rams team? Odell's a free agent among other people. There's
1: What is, does Stafford have more time on his ca- contract? Or was that a one-year thing?
0: I believe he's got more time on it.
1: I feel like and this might just be me. If Stafford comes back, Donald comes back, and if Donald comes back, Stafford comes back. Uh, The two leaders on each side of the ball, I mean, I just, as a player, Donald's 30, Stafford's 34, I believe. I don't understand why, and they're not young, but they're not old enough to retire in my eyes. I don't understand why you would want to retire when you have a team as stacked as your team is and you don't want to try for round two. If you don't after that and you really are like, I'm really done with football, fine. But I I, I don't get why I leave. Just like I don't understand why Michael Jordan left after he had those three rings. Because I still think it's very possible he could have had eight in a row if he didn't miss those two years in between. I, I don't understand why I stay. I, I think they should stay and I think they should try... One more time, (laughs) I would,
0: I would, I would be all on board to seeing them try again. I think from Aaron Donald's point of view, um, you've accomplished everything you can accomplish. I think now, he's.
1: Why is one Super Bowl good enough, though?
0: I mean, I feel like the the fact that he's chased it there. I'm not going to say that. I think every NFL player wants to win a Super Bowl. Not not everyone can win. 6 7 but getting there to him felt like that pinnacle of all things he's done everything else he's he he proved to everybody last night he's been it's been in talks for years that he's probably the best player in the NFL at the moment just solely i mean his 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 impact on a game is is unlike any other so now he's done everything i would love to see him come back i think he should come back but From his point of view, he's viewing it as a, what more do I have to do now?
1: Super Bowl MVP. League MVP.
0: I don't know if they're... It's tough tough to win.
1: It is tough. And, you know, I have... (laughs) That's one thing that I really hate about the MVP is that it is so hard to win it at any position if you're not a quarterback. Which... I don't want to say this, but they need to make like a rubric. Like you get so many points for so many things you do. Like you get twelve points for or a, a point per win for your team. So for Donald, that would have been twelve points. Or and you get like a like two points a sack. And for quarterbacks, it would be like a point. I don't know a point every five hundred yards or something. I feel like there should be something that you can put on a scale to give everyone a better chance of winning.
0: I think that's fair.
1: I don't know if that would be the best system to use. I'm just kind of throwing something out of there off the top of my head, but
0: I don't know if it could be used. But I mean, I'd I'd, I'd be open to to seeing something like that, something where it kind of takes it away from the voters and puts it more on the players. I think would be fantastic
1: because it's all subjective. It is, and why should those x amount of people determine who's the best player in the league? Why 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 can't why don't you and I do it? Why do they do it? I, I think there should be a scale that gives everyone a shot.
0: Maybe one day we can do it. Right? What do you think? I put us in charge.
1: Well, all right. If we would, have, if you would have done it this year, who would you have picked? Aaron Rodgers. I would have picked Cooper Cobb. Also fair. I, you don't see a receiver do that.
0: That's true. He got one vote for the MVP.
1: He, he he's done, what no receiver has ever done in a season except for one player. He won the he was the he won the triple crown for receiving. He i read it last night i think jerry rice jerry rice had to take his entire career to be a super bowl mvp a triple crown winner and an offensive player of the year cup did it in a single season what why is that not mvp i don't that's just my personal view but that's why and i know rogers had an insane season but I don't know. I, I just don't get it. And it's it's the
0: the term MVP gets called into question a lot, especially in the NBA side of things. But I think this this is also one of those in the NFL that you know when you when you view someone as the MVP, it's not necessarily the best player. I think Cooper Cup is probably the best player in football this year. It is the most valuable one. And so that's just the the letter of the language, which which in my eyes, I think this season. Aaron Rodgers was the most valuable player.
1: When you say valuable, what do you mean by valuable? The player that makes the biggest impact for the team
0: could be. That could, could be how it's defined.
1: You think the Rams win a Super Bowl without Cooper Cup?
0: Maybe, maybe not.
1: With Robert Woods as your number one until you get OBJ, you think that the Rams win a Super Bowl? There's, I, I don't, I think I don't even think they make it first past the first round of playoffs. I don't know if they get in the playoffs.
0: I mean, but with the if you just took Aaron Rodgers off the Packers, are they not a three win team? Like, are
1: they like? I think if you give them a quarterback like Joe Burrow, I think they do just what they did. So,
0: what if you replace Cooper Cup with someone like
1: Devontae Adams? Yeah. If Devontae Adams has that that season, yeah. I mean, I I think that this season specifically devonte adams might be a better receiver but this season specifically i think they would have made a run with devonte adams they may not have won the super bowl but i do think they would have made a run and i don't think he would have been the most valuable player unless he put up the numbers and yards and everything cooper cup did
0: yeah i think the the, the... issue
1: once again the issue is it's all subjective it is all
0: subjective, and I think that's why you see the the term most most valuable be used as different versus the offensive player of the year, which was Cooper Cup because he was he put up the best numbers, he had the best stats of any player on offense, and he won that award over Aaron Rodgers, but subjectively Rodgers was more valuable, giving him the MVP over Cooper Cup and Tom Brady.
1: So Stafford had. Almost 4,900 yards passing this season. Cooper Cup had almost 2,000 receiving. He had 40%, roughly 40%, of the yards from Stafford's throws this year. From his yards. That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, Stafford and Cup have an incredible connection.
1: It's just, it's so subjective. I think there should be a scale.
0: It is without a doubt that any last NFL storylines you want to hit on before we close the NFL.
1: Kyler Murray's taking some heat. That is that is some heat. I mean.
0: We'll see how that goes.
1: I'm curious to see how that goes.
0: Something tells me it'll all blow over and we'll be fine. heading I think it's season. just overreaction. Probably. But and we Way about too
1: it. early prediction for next season.
0: Super Bowl-wise? Yeah. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. You I, well, me.
1: I was... I. I, I yes, Super Bowl-wise. I think you're going to see...
0: This is tough, because on the NFC side of things, you don't know where people are going to end up. You don't know who's going to be where. Well,
1: that's why it's way too early. You know what? You're right.
0: It is way too early. And... I think... I like the Niners to win the NFC next year.
1: With what quarterback?
0: Uh, they'll find one.
1: Okay. Who do you have on the AFC side?
0: I think the Bengals get back there again. I think they improve that offensive line. They improve the secondary. Everyone else stays put. They're back there again. I think we get that Bengals Niners Super Bowl we were all dreaming of this year.
1: For the AFC, I don't know who's going to make it, but I have two teams in mind the Bills. Favorable. Take a guess at who my second team is the Patriots. Yeah. I, I think. I, I don't know. And. God, I'm going to sound like an idiot. <laughs> I am. Because they shot me in the foot this year. I, the Cowboys. And I, God, it's it's a dumb pick, and I know it is, but you you just gotta think with that team that they can do something. And, You're
0: right. It would almost be like that the Cowboys if they don't do anything. You know.
1: If if the Rams keep all their personnel together, I think the the Rams very well could be back in it.
0: I think they could as well. Absolutely. But when
1: you have rumors of your quarterback and your uh, uh, possibly the best player in the league retiring, I, it's it's hard to say that you're going to say they're going to be in it next year.
0: It is, and this was an odd postseason. It really was. There was a lot of upsets here and there. I mean, you
1: had it was a weird football season all around. And I think it was good for the NFL though, because I feel like the NFL was losing viewership. But like everything that happened this season, I, I just got so exciting. Because I was starting to lose interest in the NFL, but it just it blew up. Everything went crazy, and I was like, the NFL is getting good again. It was crazy. It was a lot of fun. Obviously,
0: change the rules to the Pro Bowl, but well, or do away with it completely.
1: Do away with it completely. Bottom two teams game, they get the first round pick. Whoever went or first or number one pick. The team that wins. Would that not be entertaining to watch the two worst teams in football play each other?
0: I think it would be fun to see. I'd love to see it. <clears throat> that being said, wasn't it the Lions and the Jaguars this year? The Lions would it smack was.
1: them. Like, it would It would be... Yeah, you're probably... It's sad, because the Lions really weren't... This They weren't terrible. They just yeah. couldn't win games. Yeah, They lost, like, eight games by, like, a possession. I was... I, That's Detroit football for you. That's why Matt Stafford is out.
0: And he's now a Super Bowl champion, and that's going to do it for the NFL. That's that's it. Football season is officially over. That's a wrap. It is now time to officially direct all attention to basketball. Welcome, everybody who has not paid attention to basketball so far. We're going to get you up to speed here. On the current top 25, AP top 25 in college basketball, Auburn took its first loss of second loss of the year, excuse me, first loss since November, I believe. Last week, dropping them down to the number two spot, the new number one is Gonzaga, getting 56 of the 60 first place votes. The other four did, in fact, go to Auburn. The number three spot, Arizona, representing the Pac-12. The Pac-12 kind of cannibalizing itself recently. UCLA has dropped all the way down to number 13 after a loss to USC on Saturday. Number four, you'll see the second SEC team there, Kentucky, playing incredible basketball. And rounding out the top five at number five is Purdue. Purdue lost last week as well, got blown out by Michigan last Thursday.
1: They almost lost last night.
0: Was it to Maryland, right? Yeah, they won by one.
1: I mean, wouldn't that have been something?
0: they would have dropped. They only dropped two spots after dropping one game. And you'll see the big the Big 12 start coming in after that Kansas at number 6, Baylor at number 7. The Big 12 as a whole this season is, is interesting to watch. There's a lot of chaos in there. Providence, the first Big East team at number 8, Duke, the first ACC team at number 9. Duke, I believe is the also the only ACC team in the poll. And at number 10, you've got Villanova, your second biggest team there. Villanova has the most losses of anybody in the top ten, being number ten and nineteen and six.
1: They have a rough schedule, though. They've had one all season long. I mean, they they can't get a break.
0: No, there is no break,
1: and that's which which kind of scares me. Come tournament time, because you have all these tough. It's either going to help you or it's going to hurt you, and you're going to be worn out come march i think playing all these games against these opponents but maybe it prepares them i don't know you are definitely going to be
0: worn out but it's also going to be very seasoned
1: oh yeah you're gonna you're gonna have so much adrenaline running through your body too i mean there when march comes around players are ready to play
0: absolutely keeping it going here there's texas tech at number 11 the red raiders last week lost to oklahoma on wednesday got beat by 15 at home Bounced back on Saturday with a home win over TCU. TCU's been one of those interesting teams this year. Trying to play themselves onto the bubble. Not sure if they're going to be successful with it. Number 12, the Fighting Illini of Illinois. Illinois took a loss to Purdue last week, which, not a bad loss by any measure. UCLA at number 13. One of the more interesting teams in the top 25. Because they've got the talent to be a 1C without a doubt. They just have not seemingly played like it recently. They... Dropped that game to USC on Saturday night, which USC tried to give that game away. They tried to give it to UCLA multiple times, and UCLA wouldn't take it. Before that, they beat Stanford by nine, and then prior to that, they dropped two straight to Arizona, who obviously a very good basketball team, and then on the road at Arizona State in triple overtime, which, I mean, those games are just going to happen. But losing three of their last fours, UCLA, is it it time to worry?
1: I don't think it's time to worry. I think you're going to get in the tournament. No, yeah, obviously they're gonna eat the tournament. Well But they want you the, say they, it more they, than you they, say it more than anyone. Losing in college basketball is healthy.
0: Yeah, losing a game or two is healthy. They've Dropping, lost
1: what four? They've lost three of their last four, though. They get over it. They're just on a slump.
0: They've got Washington State on Thursday. That'll be 10 p.m. Central Time on Fox Sports 1. They've got a home stand coming up here. Three straight home games before hitting the road for three road games to close out the month of February. Then they'll host USC in March to close out their season. Seven games left on the regular season schedule. They should bounce back. And one team looking to also bounce back is Houston after dropping two straight. Houston lost its first home game in two years, I believe, on Saturday Hosting Memphis. Memphis is one of those teams that reminds me of the University of Alabama. Incredibly talented. Also incredibly inconsistent.
1: Can beat anyone at any time.
0: And that's what Memphis did right there. Houston looking to be, will probably be the only bid from the American Conference. SMU's trying to play themselves onto the bubble. Which I think they probably will do after beating Houston last week. And they've got a second shot at Houston coming up for them. Houston was trying to put themselves at a two seed or a one seed spot. They're looking to be more likely to be a four or five seed now. After dropping those two games, you just can't afford to lose games when your conference is not as good. At number fifteen, you have Wisconsin right there, who did lose to Rutgers on Saturday. They only fell one spot in the poll. Rutgers is on a tear right now. Yeah, They're I was. On a run.
1: Why? Why in the world are they not on the bubble or in at the moment? They have three top twenty wins in their past three games. They beat number thirteen Michigan State, number sixteen Ohio State, and number fourteen Wisconsin. Why in the world are they not in right now?
0: Rutgers is is a prime example of a team who has just hit their stride. Now they've got fantastic. They've got some really fantastic wins, like you said, those three those three games right there. They also they also beat number Purdue when they were number one earlier in the season as well. They've they've dropped games such as they lost to DePaul. DePaul's not a terrible team, but they're not a team you want to lose to. They lost to Lafayette. They lost to UMass. They've dropped to Penn State, who's not very good this year. Minnesota who's not very good this year. Maryland, who's talented, but also not very good this year. Northwestern, not a great team. Northwestern, I believe, is not even they fi- they're they're right at about five hundred. They dropped to them and that was their last loss was losing to Northwestern. And Northwestern's not a good team before they went on this tear against these these top teams, and they've got two more coming for them in Illinois on Wednesday night, hosting them, then going on the road to Purdue. And they, they've, they've already beaten once this season.
1: They've got a tough next four games. Two ranked games, then a team that's on the bubble. I believe they're number eight out at the moment. Then you got to play Wisconsin again, who's another ranked opponent. You've got four tough games coming up.
0: Michigan currently is the second team out.
1: Second team, my bad, okay. Rutgers is
0: the fifth team out at the moment.
1: What are you looking at?
0: Jillenardi's latest tweet.
1: When was this updated? Oh, I'm looking at a, a late one. Oops. You gotta
0: go onto the website, man. Start going to the Twitter.
1: I don't like Twitter. That's why I look at the website.
0: How you wanna? How you gonna be in the industry and not like Twitter?
1: Because I don't know how to use it.
0: How do you know? Twitter's a simple.
1: I don't do a whole lot of social media.
0: Twitter is the 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 best social media in my eyes. I think. Very simple, very fun to use. You'll also see we are here in Starkville at WMSV. You'll see Mississippi State currently the 10th team out at the moment. Not a good look for the Bulldogs. We'll get to them and all of the SEC in a second, keeping it going here in the top 25. Number 16 currently is Tennessee, an SEC team right there. They've been on fire lately. They've got a bit. They've got a tough week this week. They really do. Hosting Kentucky, before going on the road to Arkansas, which at Arkansas is one of the toughest places to play in the nation. Would not shock me to see Tennessee go zero and two this week. But if they go two and zero, you can expect to expect to find them in the top ten. At number seventeen, you've got USC getting that big time win over UCLA, even without Isaiah Mobley, their top player, still getting that win. Fantastic for the Trojans there. Up next, two Big Ten teams, Ohio State and Michigan State, at 18 and 19, respectively. And number 20 is Texas, which they've, they're they probably going to sit right there around that 20 mark for the remainder of the season. That Big 12 conference is tough. It is a tough one. Big Ten as well, both of them. Incredibly tough conferences. And then you get into your mid-majors right here. Number 21, Murray State. The Racers put together a fantastic season. Survived a scare against Moorhead State. Their only two losses on the season were. They took one loss in November to East Tennessee State University, and their second loss in the season came against the Auburn Tigers, which we know that's not a bad loss at all. And then finally, the committee has done it. The committee has r- ranked Wyoming. Wyoming, deservedly so, finally getting into the top 25. They've been on a tear. Recently, they've been tearing up the Mountain West Conference 10-1 in conference play, looking to play themselves into an automatic bid in the tournament. But I believe that they would, they would make it regardless of being automatic or not. Then rounding out your top 25, number 23, Arkansas. They got a big-time win over Auburn before losing to Alabama on Saturday. Number 24, UConn. UConn not moving anything from last week. They dropped. They only played... Well, they played three games last week. They got a big-time win over Marquette, a loss to Xavier on the road, and then a win, a bounce-back win over St. John's. And finally, at number 25, the Alabama Crimson Tide back into the polls after being out of it for a few weeks. But wins on the road at Ole Miss and a win at home over Arkansas got them back into the top 25. And they don't have an easy week either. They'll host the Mississippi State Bulldogs on Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday, And then Saturday they'll be on the road at Rupp Arena against Kentucky. So a tough week coming up for them. What stuck out to you here in this top 25?
1: Nothing really. It's kind of, (laughs) it's nothing. I mean, you knew Auburn was going to go down. You knew Gonzaga would take number one. There really isn't anything surprising to me. I mean, I guess I was a little shocked Bama jumped back in, but not terribly shocked. Did it shock you that
0: Auburn only fell one spot?
1: Um, Not really. I, the committee has faith in Auburn. I mean, you, you, you know they do. Why would you drop them multiple spots? They really weren't deserving of dropping multiple spots. They lost that game in overtime.
0: No, I mean they've, they they've there was a hard fought game. I just wanted to hear if it shocked you at all to see them still be number 2.
1: I I really wasn't I, I wasn't surprised they dropped only one. I was kind of surprised they dropped it all. And the reason behind that is Gonzaga having it wasn't a close scare, but that game against St. Mary's was up and down. I, It could have gone either way. About, what, 13, 10 minutes left in the second half? St. Mary's pushed the gap to like 8? I know St. Mary's was ranked, but... I, St. Mary's is not a great team. I disagree. They play with a, a certain pace of play. They play in an awful conference.
0: They do, but this this conference is much improved. They They're looking to... Probably going to end up with three bids again. There were some dreams that they would get four. But I, I think they're going to end up with three with that being Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and then either BYU or San Francisco. One of those two, will, will probably get in there. But the other one of them is, is right on the bubble. Both of them are on the bubble. Both of them are currently in the field at the moment. BYU being the second team in right there on the bubble. San Francisco being the sixth team in at the moment but it's a much improved conference it's still not great at all it's
1: improved but it's not they it just isn't the caliber of any other conference or any power five conference at least
0: no i i agree they they sit currently sitting in the field big 10 has seven teams in big 12 has seven teams in. big east has seven teams in sec has 16 in. six teams in ACC has five teams in, and then the West Coast Conference has four. Right you know
1: they there. might they might make the ACC run for their money if they were to play them, because ACC is not good this year. It's not at all. I mean, they they, I kind of want to see that now.
0: <laughs> I'm sure we'll see some matchups in, in some. No, give me form give me
1: fashion. give me give me a WCC ACC challenge.
0: You want a West Coast Conference, Atlantic Coast Conference challenge?
1: Well. Just for this season. Because if <laughs> ACC stacks back up, I don't want to watch that.
0: No, it would become ugly at that point. Because the ACC obviously known to be one of the top basketball conference, The West Coast Conference, not so much. But it seems like they're on an even playing field this year so far. But let's switch gears here and go to the SEC on Saturday. Auburn bounced back, got the win over A&M. Like we said before, Alabama beat Arkansas. South Carolina, big-time road win over Georgia. South Carolina is a team that could make a little noise in the SEC tournament. They could beat a team or two. Kentucky got a big time win over Florida. Florida right on the bubble as well. Tennessee took care of business against Vanderbilt. LSU took care of business at home against Mississippi State. And Missouri got a big time win hosting Ole Miss. Missouri and South Carolina are two teams that I think could
1: make a little bit of a run in the SEC tournament. Yeah, there are a couple teams that I think should be on the radar. Uh, those two in particular, but if Vanderbilt catches a team that's on a slump, Vanderbilt is not a consistent nor a very good team, but they know how to take advantage of teams that are struggling.
0: It helps when you have arguably the best player in the SEC and Scottie Pippen Jr. and that, that that's the recipe for teams to make a run in March, whether it be conference tournaments or NCAA tournaments. Just having a, a really star standout player.
1: Yeah. So I mean, heck, I feel like all of these teams could make runs. I mean, Kentucky and Auburn, obviously your favorites. Tennessee up there with them. Uh, good, not as good as them. Alabama just. Inconsistent as inconsistent can get. You know, I talked... uh, I talked to someone the other day about Mississippi State. And we were talking about their women's team, too. And we were like, how does a women's team that has an interim head coach that was... Named head coach a month before the season started. Lost, debatably, their best player in Rakia Jackson. How are they playing like this? With They've got pl- good players, but they don't have... If you put t- take women measures to men measures and put them side by side based on their leagues and everything... Why... Mississippi State has the more talented... Or the men's team has the more talented players... But the women are playing so much better under their circumstances. And I don't understand how that is with the talent that this Mississippi State team has. And, you know, a while ago I thought they could make a run in the tournament. And I might bite my tongue later for saying this, but I I, I believe now that Mississippi State will not make it into the tournament. I do not think they will do it much in the SEC tournament, and I do not think they're going to make it to the Big Dance.
0: Yeah, they've dropped five of their last six games Mississippi State has, and they've got another tough matchup on the horizon. It feels like being here in Starkville, it's, you've, you've heard the phrase that we need this one. And it's been said for the last four, five, We've six games. We've been saying
1: it for the last month. Yeah. and I, I tell this to Tanner all the time, and I say it every episode, and I sound like a broken record. Each game is a must-win game. And you don't say that often, but you have to say it because they are on the bubble. Even if they were to get inside to the last 4-in, the next game is still a must-win because if you lose, you very well are out of the first four, uh, last 4-in. So Mississippi State has to win big games here. And I just, I'm not sure they're going to be able to.
0: I'm not sure they're going to be able to either. A website I love to go to is teamrankings.com to see the per- see, to kind of give you a computer layout of it. A lot a lot less human interaction, a little more computer simulation. Currently giving Mississippi State a 42% chance to make the big dance. The big win opportunities are still there. A road win over Alabama would be fantastic. A home win against Auburn of course would speak volumes. And then you close out with another quad one opportunity on the road at A&M. And A&M obviously has not played great recently, but that's still a quad one game.
1: I do not know how.
0: It By the time we get there, it may not be. But hopefully they can turn it around a little bit for our sake here. And then those games in between, you've got to beat Missouri twice, got to beat South Carolina, got to beat Vanderbilt. Those are, You have to go 4-0 in those games. Like That is without question. You have to go
1: 4-0. And it's the most Mississippi State thing not to.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a tough week for Mississippi State. I mean, you've got... Three games in five days.
1: They had a real chance these past three games. They did absolutely. Before it was four straight quad one wins. Or excuse me, quad one games. My thought was, you have to win two of them. You're zero three right now, and I think you're going to go zero four.
0: When you look at their their last five quad one opportunities, being against Kentucky, Texas Tech, Arkansas, Tennessee, and LSU. With the exception of the Texas Tech game, which they've just got the doors blown off of them, all of the other games were single-digit differences. They, they were all lost by single digits. They, they lost them in different ways, it felt like. Some games, they just didn't shoot as well. I felt like against Kentucky, they didn't shoot very well from the foul line. Um, against Tennessee, they just couldn't score at times. They were up by one with five minutes left, lost the game by nine. And against LSU, they, I mean, there were some a couple of tough officiating breaks here and there, but all in all, they weren't really able to shoot the ball very well. there were a ton of turnovers you know they just just consistent little shoot themselves in the foot and they they could be on top of two or three of these games and already solidify uh, themselves into the field end yeah, up differently
1: I think their two biggest issues at the moment at least are turnovers and chemistry and the reason I say chemistry is. You, you just turn, changed your starting five for the LSU game. Rocket Watts got his first start of the game. Or, excuse me, start from a speed state of his career. The way Ben Howland substitutes, you do not give these players time to play together enough to get things going. When you sub every three minutes, you are not getting a rhythm. I, it blows my mind to see him sub... Iverson Molinar, or Shaq Moore, or DJ Jeffries, or Tolu Smith, or... Who is the other starter that I'm missing? Garrison Brooks. Garrison Brooks. It drives me insane to see you sub one of them out in the first three minutes of the game when you're on a 8-2 to two run. I, I do not understand it. And I never will. But when you put in a bench player, if you take out... Shaq Moore, Iverson Molinar, and you put Rocket Watts in, and I'm a very big fan of Rocket Watts, but if you put him in when you're doing that, it just, the, the chemistry just, I feel like it's blown. You're not giving your starters their time to play together while they're fresh and 100%, or as close to 100% as you can get them before that game. I don't understand it.
0: Saw some great minutes from Cam Carter that game as well. I felt like Ben Hanlon was scrambling to try to, try to, boost a spark or anything from the bench, and I feel like Cam Carter brought that. Could see some more minutes from him in the future, but Ben Howland could be out of a job this offseason. I don't think that's necessarily a stretch to say.
1: No, I, I... If you do not fire, or if Ben Howland is not out of a job, if you don't make the tournament with this roster, there is a major issue. We... We should not be having to talk about are we going to get in with this team. We shouldn't. We should be a solid in, not worrying about this. But no, we're the tenth team out, and we're looking at winning every single game. Essentially, maybe losing one game, and that only loss can come to Auburn. Being maybe the first two team, one of the first two teams out, and having to win a couple games in the conference tournament.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at it here, you look at the most realistic path for the Mississippi State Bulldogs right now, and it's it's going to be you got to go four zero. You got to win both games against Missouri. You got to beat which South those two
1: Missouri games are going to be tough.
0: Absolutely, coming off a big time game against Bama, you have to beat you have to win at least one of the three games. I think very very simply in order to give yourself a chance, and that would be on the road at Bama, on the road at A and M, and hosting Auburn. You have to win at the. If you drop all three, your season's over. It doesn't matter what you do in the conference tournament, regardless, unless you win it. You need to win one of those three.
1: If you if you beat Kentucky or Auburn in conference tournament, I think you have a chance. So
0: yeah, I mean, maybe getting the getting the tournament title game. Maybe you, you're going to need to.
1: You're going to have to beat one of those teams to get there, unless just craziness breaks out and you're looking at South Carolina and uh, just something bizarre happens. But which. Anything can happen in March, but sticking with the
0: more realistic type of things here, they need to, obviously winning two is ideal. Beating Alabama on Wednesday, and then beating a would be the most ideal path. Winning six of these last seven games puts yourself in a great position. Obviously, they've dropped five of their last six, so not in, the, not in favor necessarily, but none of them have been, aside from Texas Tech, which is a very good basketball team, we talked with them before, none of them have been bad losses. None, no, of them, but none of the, them have been, all of them have been frustrating ones where you've said, you know, you were right there, we could have won that game. Why the, didn't
1: we? The issue is, they don't have a single quad one win this season. Excuse me, yeah, they do. They have Arkansas. They have one quad. Alabama. Well, they have Arkansas, too.
0: I don't believe that was a quad, that was not quad one at the time.
1: Okay, well, they have one quad one in the season with Alabama, and you have zero road wins. You've not won a single game on the road this season. I don't care how good you are. If you don't win a single game on the road, you're not. You're not getting in. There's no way you get in.
0: And this screams bubble team. You know, someone who's good at home, who's been decently dominant at times at home, and just bad on the road. Something's going to change here, but we're going to move forward. I'll leave it to you and Tanner to dive more into Mystery State tomorrow on the Dudes, also at 6 p.m. Starting off with the Tuesday games here. We'll be back with you Wednesday. Tuesday, South Carolina on the road at Ole Miss. South Carolina putting together a decent little season here. Getting a road win at Ole Miss would be a good one as well. absolutely and one team that feels like has fallen off the bubble is Texas A&M they have just not played well in SEC play at all they now host a bubble team on tuesday in florida who currently according to espn bracketologist joe leonardi sits as the fourth team out of the tournament after getting blown out by kentucky on saturday Florida needs this one. A&M needs it more to even get themselves back into conversation. This would be a fantastic quad one win for Florida. One they're going to need.
1: I don't know how. I, I do not understand how AM is still a quad one team.
0: It's the way the net rankings work. It's just, you know, your you're top 75 in the net on the road is a quad one opportunity.
1: They've played awful. They have. I, I think Florida blows them
0: out. It would not would not shock me at all to see that happen. I would, I would love to see it. Let's find Texas A&M current ranking. Texas A&M is currently the 73rd team in the net, making this still a quad one opportunity for Florida at the moment. Arkansas on the road at Missouri. Missouri, a sneaky team, pretty decent at home. And
1: Arkansas is sneaky hot right now, though.
0: I don't think they're, they're they're not sneaky hot anymore. They're they lost hot.
1: one game.
0: I think I think they're no, they still think they're hot. I don't think it's sneaky though. I think they 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 deserve to be they're better than the twenty third team in the nation. Obviously, in my eyes, they should run Missouri up and down the floor though.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And the game of the evening, eight p.m. ESPN, Kentucky on the road at Tennessee. This will be a fun one.
1: Yeah, it will be a fun one, and I'm very confident in Kentucky, but that Tennessee team, I I, I like them, but I don't like them. I, when they played Mississippi State at home and I went to that game, there were a lot of good things I saw, but like, I, they're kind of a sloppy team.
0: They're very, very good. They're known for being very good defensively. And that, that affords them a little bit of room to be sloppier on the offensive side of things because of how good they are defensively. Their defensive rotation is almost unmatched. But to, play, to beat a team like Kentucky, you be got to be able to score. And that's why I don't like their chances in this game.
1: Uh, the, the, one, the one advantage I see for Tennessee, and I don't want to say it's necessarily an advantage, um, but, and I'm drawing a blank here, um... I can't pronounce his name either. Euros Plasvic, the guy that's seven foot tall. I, I don't know how to say his name. He's their starting center. That they, they, he's listed as a forward. He's a center. He's seven foot tall. If he can grab boards and take them away from Sheeboy, I, I really think this is anyone's game because all those rebound. You get so many opportunities from Shiboy rebounds. If you can take those rebounds away, Kentucky is still an elite team, but I don't think they're the number four team in the nation elite.
0: That'll be one to watch, and we'll pick up more SEC action on Wednesday. There's one game tonight that involves a top 25 team. Oklahoma State, who has been stated if they win this game on the road at Kansas, they would play themselves onto the bubble. Big Big-time big game needed for Oklahoma State. I don't like their chances here, though. Kansas at home, I expect them to roll.
1: Yeah, I expect them to roll. I, Kansas is one of those elite teams. I, I just, at home, I don't I don't think Oklahoma State stands a chance.
0: Tomorrow night, Wake Forest putting together their first 20-win season in quite a while on the road at Duke. I like Duke here, but Wake Forest deserves more credit for what they've done this season. They're going to be one of those teams, and when we get into March Madness, they're going to be sitting there Probably right around an 8 or a 9 seed, and and not many people are going to know what they've done this season. They've had a fantastic year, 20-6
1: on the season. This
0: would be a huge win opportunity to bump their seeding up.
1: Huge opportunity, but I don't think they're going to come through. I think they very well could make a mess everyone's bracket up in March, but I don't think this is their game.
0: I don't like their chances either. We've got about 45 seconds left. One game left to touch on that I really want to hit on. A top 10 matchup, one that's going to fly under the radar being on CBS Sports Network. No offense, CBS. Villanova on the road at Providence. Number 10, Villanova. Number 8, Providence. Providence has had an incredible season so far. They win games.
1: They get the job done.
0: This is a huge one. Villanova on the road. I like Providence at home, though.
1: I like Villanova. I think they're ready for this match. I think they're very well equipped.
0: That'll be a fun one to watch. These two teams will play again in the first week of March. But that'll do it today on Hot Takes. I'm not going to speed this one up, though. For Cody Blazek, I'm David Smith. We'll be back with you Wednesday.